This is Bloomberg Business Week from Bloomberg Radio. Hi, I'm Jason Kelly. And I'm Carol Masser. Welcome to the Bloomberg Business Week Extra. It's our weekly podcast bringing you an in-depth interview you will not hear anywhere else. And we were really excited about this conversation. Tom Colicchio, well known for owning a number of terrific restaurants. He's also a judge on Bravo's Top Chef. Folks have seen him on the TV, but he's thinking so much about not just Mm -hmm. his restaurants, but really the future of food. Right. And Jason, he completely closed his restaurants in New York and L.A., shut them down, laid off his workers temporarily. He's been in the business, what, 40 years? He said it was the hardest decision he has faced uh, during those 40 years. Just really gut-wrenching. So we talked with him about the shutdown and then what life is like after the virus. Yeah, this has been devastating. Um, and, and not only for me, um, I co-founded the Independent Restaurant Coalition. And so I am in constant contact with uh, many hundreds of restaurateurs and chefs uh, across the country pretty much on a daily basis. And, you know, we're, we're struggling out there. And, you know, PPP we thought was really going to help. And uh, it, it doesn't um, because we're not open. Uh, I think PPP is structured for, for businesses that maybe are somewhat depressed and they can hire their staff back, but there's still uh, revenue moving through their, their system. Right now, restaurants are closed. Um, some are starting to open up in some states, but they're, they're opening up into a really, really depressed market. And so PPP um, doesn't really help us. And so we are asking for a, um, a restaurant stabilization package. Um, we're, uh, we, we sent our, our letter to Congress yesterday. We're asking for a $120 billion to stabilize our industry. So the 11 million employees that independent restaurants um, employ um, have a job to come back to. And not only have a job to come back to when we can finally get open, but we're going to be depressed for, for mm. until we find the vaccine. So we're talking about another year almost. And yeah. what we don't want to do is have a situation where people start coming back to work and then we're closing right, you know, two months down the road and everybody's back on, on unemployment again or out of a job. And so, Tom, I, I want to talk about what it looks like on, on the other side of all this, but help us understand in, in the short term, what are you hearing as you, I know you just sent the letter yesterday, but I know you're talking to people uh, all the time in, in the government and at other advocates. What's the response been? What's, what feedback are you getting in terms of what's feasible in order to help the industry? You know, I, I think they're hearing us. I mean, I, I've spoken to many members of Congress over the last, you know, three, four weeks, and so has, has so many members of our coalition. And um, they, they hear us, um, and they're, they're trying to help us. They're trying to figure out, and, and you know, obviously um, uh, they're hearing from a lot of different sectors, and people sure. are, are looking for, for, uh, uh, for, for help. Um, we just feel that we're uniquely positioned because so many people are employed by independent restaurants. And then if you factor in all the farmers and fishermen and winemakers and cheesemakers and other various services that, that we are purchasing. Keep in mind, 95%, uh, 95 cents on every dollar that we take into a restaurant goes out the door. And so not only are you helping our business stay afloat and, and providing those jobs, the immediate jobs to the workers, but also all the other people that, that we uh, indirectly uh, employ. And these are, these are small farmers. We're not talking about big mega farms. We're talking about small farmers uh, fishermen who are, you know, fishing, you know, dayboat fishermen, small cheese makers. And so, um, you know, there's, there's a desperation here. And, and again, it's, it's not just the restaurants that we're concerned that, you know, uh, it, the James Beer Foundation did a, 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 a um, you know, have, has data right now that maybe 20% of the restaurants won't open up. I'm hearing it's going to be bigger than that. You know, we're, we're hearing from, from 
from the industry that maybe 50% of the restaurants won't open up. If that happens, think about the supply chain that is going to actually end as well. So it's not just the 11 million jobs. It's, it's probably 20, 20 million jobs in a lot of, of people's livelihoods. Well, and I, I was going to say, Jason, we've talked, you know, and Tom, we've talked to um, wineries out in the West Coast. We've talked to um, some suppliers that, um, you know, you know, supply food and other items to uh, the industry. And you're right, the supply chain is vast. So it's not just, you know, the front and center workers you see at restaurants. It's it's much wider than that. I am curious, you do say Washington's listening. So what's the likelihood that they do something in terms of a stimulus? And you're right, it's not just now, but it's what happens on the other side of this, because this is not a quick bounce back in our economic recovery. No, I mean, some, some industries, I think, will bounce back quicker than others. I think the restaurant industry, when we open up, I mean, we're hearing, I mean, you know, that we have to cut half of our tables out. And, you know, and then the question really isn't when we're going to open up. I mean, there, there's this, this idea that Georgia is going to open up and Texas is going to open up and people are going to go. No, it's, it's not when we open up. It's when do people feel comfortable congregating in a place that is, is busy. When you walk into your restaurant and the bartender is wearing a face mask and a waiter comes up to you and greets you with a face mask, you are not going to be comfortable eating in that restaurant. God forbid someone coughs when they're, you know, even even with social distancing. I just don't see how that works out. So we're 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 in it for the long haul. Um, and when I say Congress, they're listening. Uh, they're they're listening. I don't I don't know if there's going to be action. That's what we're hoping for. Yeah, they're hearing us. Um, we have you know representatives, you know, who are uh, making sure that that our our needs are, are are being heard. The question is whether or not Congress will act on this. And so, Tom. Uh- what has this laid bare, or how much has this laid bare about the state of the industry going into this? In a place like New York, it's a place that Carol and I call home. You know, mm-hmm. we work in, in Manhattan. We have been each patrons at many of your restaurants uh, over the years. You know this business so well. You know the industry what does it tell us about the fragility of it? And obviously, none of this was foreseen, but what is it laid bare in your estimation? No, I think that, you know, restaurants uh, for the last, you know, you know, 10 years or so, there's been a, a, a definitely a, a uh, uh, it, it's been a little more difficult, especially in New York City with rents as high as they are, labor markets are tight, and, you know, we're fine paying people more money, um, but uh, it, it's definitely eaten into our bottom line, and so we're we're nowhere near as resilient as as we were. Um, we, we we certainly are a viable business. Our margins are just definitely uh, smaller than they used to be. But you hit on something um, that's you know really I, I think is, is is really important here. Um, I thank you for for patronizing uh, the, the our restaurants and, and my restaurants, and we want to be there for you when this is over, because you know. We can look at the economics of it, and I can make an economic argument for why restaurants need need help. And I think I relayed that out. But also, when we're through this, the cultural institution—that's what restaurants have become—they need to be there because people are going to want to get back to normal. And what is not normal if it's not for walking into your favorite bar or restaurant and seeing that bartender that you know that's going to take care of you, seeing that your favorite waiter knowing you're going to get the dish that you are craving. I mean, a lot of people are cooking at home now, and I think that's great, but sooner or later you're going to get tired of your own food. I know I'm tired of my food. (laughs) You're going to want to go to that restaurant, and you're going to want to go, as the song says, you want to go where people know your name. And, and, And these are the places where you celebrate anniversaries and birthdays and all those milestones. And I'm not only talking about my restaurant, the White Tablecloth Restaurant, I'm talking about the mom and pop mm-hmm. places. You know, a recent immigrant who, who pulled, all, you know, 
pulled all of their money and came to this country and opened up their, you know, their American dream. And they were making it up until two months ago. And that's what we need to get over. We need to save that. Cause we need to save Main Street right now. We need to make sure that those restaurants are there because without restaurants and without these small businesses, what are we going to have? Where are we going to go? Where are we going to go to feel normal again? Where are we going to go to wrap our arms around each other and say, we're safe, we're okay, we made it. So we need restaurants to be there for the long haul. I got to say, Tom, we've had a couple of leftover nights, and I'm like, all right, really? Can we just move on already? Right. Um, <laughs> the one thing I do want to ask you, and Jason and I have been having this conversation. We've talked with um, Daniel Ballou. We've talked to a couple different folks about the industry. I mean, individuals like yourself, we're what we consider the people who have done really, really well, and yet... It's tough for you. As you said, 95 cents of every dollar goes out the door at a restaurant. Is there something within, I don't know, the financial infrastructure of the restaurant industry? Um, and I think about those workers, the immigrant workers, whether they're working in the kitchen or, you know, doing dishes or what have you. You know, the virus has laid bare the problems that we knew that were out there. And that is a lack of safety net for a lot of workers in a lot of different industries, hotels, um, certainly restaurants. Is there something we need to think bigger picture so that, God forbid, we're facing similar si- situations in the future that these workers are better protected? Yeah, we, we need resiliency you know, through the entire system, uh, obviously for workers. But um, even you think of it, you're, you're, you're hearing about all these meat processing plants right now mm-hmm. and how they're closing and estimates could be up to 90% of our meat supply could be, could be compromised. Um, but that's because there's been so much corporate concentration. And, you know, these, these companies are just getting larger and larger, eating up smaller companies. And so what you need to do is actually have a more resilient system. And the food system, that is spreading it out. That is relying on small regional producers. So if, if one part of the segment gets, gets, gets you know, hurt because of coronavirus or even because of, of, of you know, a climate disaster, that, that we're more resilient. I think we need a safety net that is more resilient. But, you know, here's one way to look at this. So prior, prior to COVID, 36 million Americans were on SNAP, our food stamps in this country. So uh, the numbers that I just got out of Maryland recently was that there was a 71% increase in applications. So if you extrapolate that out throughout the country, that's another 25 million people. Okay, eventually those numbers are going to come down once the economy starts to turn. It's going to take a while. But what are are we aspiring to? 36 million Americans on food stamps? No, we can do better than that. And I'm not talking about a handout. I'm talking about people who are working, who can afford nutritious food. So you you talk about inequity, and and so it's it's something you can just look at dollars and cents. But really, Mm -hmm. where inequity plays out is in health. If you do not have the money, in this country, calories are cheap, nutrition is expensive. If you don't have the money to buy nutritious foods, you aren't as healthy. You have diabetes, you have uh, issues around obesity and heart disease. Those are the people who are dying in the hospital because of COVID. And these are in minority communities that typically are not sort of getting a fair shake. And, right. and that's what we need to change. So we need, we need all of the country to be more resilient. We need to bring back manufacturing so we don't rely on, on, on other countries and we can keep that supply here. But we need to make even, even what we're doing here in this country much more resilient, not only our, our business practices, but our human practice. So we need to start investing in human capital. And so, Tom, does that change or in any way alter what you do on, on the other side of this? I mean, I, I do wonder if it starts you thinking about new concepts or new locations or what, what do you think about on the other side? 
Yeah, and that's something we've always been thinking about. You know, we, we try to buy from small producers as, as, as much as possible. Um, we, uh, you know, our, 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 our pay rate is probably above, clearly above average in, in, in the country. Um, um, but, yeah, we're thinking of, of what, what does new business look like? You know, this is what everybody's trying to, you know, wrestling with right now. What, what does it look like on the, other, on the other end? I mean, I'm, this is the conversations I'm having to, to, with my senior staff right now. Um, because I think going forward, if we open up, when we open up, it's going to have to be a combination of takeout, CSA boxes, which, you know, think about this. I have my supply chain, and it's mostly small farmers and small fishermen, cheese makers. And so if I can actually still buy from them mm-hmm. and then turn my restaurant into a distribution center, so I'm yeah. just kind of processing food, that's another avenue of business to get through, you know, to the other end. Um, turning a part, part of what we do into a community feeding center. Um, again, to put more food through the system, um, and then also trying to figure out the best way to 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 um, take care of our staff and take care of patrons coming in um, to keep them safe and healthy. And so, yeah, there's there's yeah. Uh, there's a lot of changes that they are going to have to be made. But I and, and I think that they're all going to be looked at through the the, the lens of of how do we make all of these systems uh, much more resilient right. to right. not only something like COVID, but also. Um, climate change. Right. I always said that, you know, so many people are, 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 are one climate disaster away from losing their job. And that was Chef Tom Calicchio. Carol, a conversation we were really looking forward to. And a reminder that, you know, chefs, restaurant owners, they are right in the center of this from so many perspectives, obviously as entrepreneurs, as owners, as employers, and really for those of us who are just diners, you know, they provide such a key service, such an important part of life. So uh, someone we definitely want to keep in touch with. Well, absolutely. And like, you know, we've been talking since we've been in shutdown mode about the 15 million restaurant jobs around the country. So many, though, in the major cities, including New York. And so when we talk about getting the economy back on track, taking care of workers, I mean, this is an important sector that cannot be forgotten. And this industry is really asking for more help from the federal government. So I'm so glad we got some time uh, with Tom to weigh in on that. You've been listening to Bloomberg Business Week Extra. And be sure to tune in to Bloomberg Business Week Radio live Monday through Friday, starting at 2 p.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg Radio. I'm Jason Kelly. And I'm Carol Masser. And this is Bloomberg.